Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Astrology Now podcast. My name is Christine Rodriguez, and in this segment, I feel so grateful to interview yet again Ryan Kurzak. For those of you who aren't familiar, Ryan is the founder of Asheville Vedic Astrology, as well as Kriya Yoga Online. He is the host of the Kriya Yoga podcast. He's written multiple books, including The Art and Science of Vedic Astrology 1 and 2, and he has an online teachable course for Vedic astrology, which is absolutely amazing. So very well established and well informed when it comes to Vedic astrology. He's been doing this for quite some time. And I always love hearing his unique perspective on Vedic astrology and astrological influences. And so today he and I are discussing Rahu and Ketu and the karmic implications of these nodes. So it's a super interesting conversation. I had so much fun and I hope you all enjoy it. Okay, so welcome back everyone. As always, I feel so grateful to have Ryan Kurzak on the show once again. Welcome back, Ryan. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, me too. And so today we're going to be discussing a highly popular topic of Rahu and Ketu. And so for those who are listening, how would you define Rahu and Ketu? How would you describe them? Well, Rahu and Ketu are pretty interesting points because um, they help us see where in life our blind spots are. They help us to see where our fears that we have to overcome are, which would be Rahu. And um, Ketu is very important because it shows us what we're meant to let go of in life. And Often Vedic astrology is spoken of as a spiritual science, and I, I do believe it is. Often it's not treated that way, but Rahu and Ketu can really zero in on um, what the purpose of your life is, mm-hmm. both spiritually speaking as well as within this mundane world. So, from my experience, Rahu and Ketu helps us to get a handle on those two sides of um, well, what your life is all about. I think. Yeah. Okay. I've never heard it described in terms of Rahu as being what we need to overcome in life in terms of fear and Mm -hmm. what we're going to need to be confronted with in terms of fear. Mm -hmm. I've always described it as and heard it as like Rahu is what attaches us to the world and it's kind of our forward moving karma. But I'm really interested in hearing more from you about the placement of Rahu and if you want giving different examples of maybe Rahu through the houses and what type of fear you might need to confront or how that might show up. Sure. And, and you're right. It doesn't always have to be fear because everyone approaches things differently. Okay. Um, you know, Rahu and K2 are often related to like obsessions and compulsions. And Rahu is that area um, where a person doesn't have any experience and at least theoretically using, using past lifetimes. And so if, if someone doesn't have a fear of new experiences, then Rahu might not necessarily be that big a deal. And usually you can figure that out by determining if the dignity of Rahu's Lord is in good, is good, uh, or if the placement of Rahu's Lord is maybe in a trine or an angle. Um, because then the person will look at the, the fears or the areas of life as, oh, well, I, I need to be the pioneer that goes out and explores that. They will want to do it. But 
it's hard to find that. And oftentimes what happens is people are pushed, well, you know what, you need to grow. You need to grow into something different. You need to grow into something more and they're comfortable and they don't want to change. And so that's why Rahu can be related to, to fears in that regard. Um, and K2, on the other hand, um, dealing with the past, um, oftentimes people think that there's going to be failure with issues with K2. Well, that'll be true if uh, K2's Lord is in difficult dignity or if there are other difficulties with K2's Lord. Because the thing we have to realize is many people jump onto Rahu and K2 because they're, they're easy things to kind of talk about and describe. But to see how they really work, it requires an understanding of the planets that they're working through. Mm -hmm. Rahu and K2 are disembodied. They don't have bodies. They're not like Mars or Jupiter or the sun. They, they're like spirits and they can only work through a body. And so the body that they work through is the sign that they're in, the Lord that rules over them and the plants that they're with. So you have to know what the sign is doing, what the planets that it's with is doing, what its Lord is doing to know how Rahu and Ketu are going to function. Anyway, I'll get to your question in a minute. <laughs> I think that you're getting to it. This okay. Is, yeah, okay. no, this is great. K2, um, K2 represents, uh, in, in theory, what we have put a lot of attention on in, in past lifetimes, what we have defined ourselves through, what we have found safety and security through. And so oftentimes what happens is people actually do have skills, good skills, based on where K2 is placed, but it becomes difficult for them because K2 is the supreme liberator. And this is where we're getting back to the spiritual side of, of Vedic astrology. And to be supremely free means to be supremely non-attached. Um, in the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, when it talks about what is yoga practice, it is defined as abiding as the self, the true you, which is not defined by anything really, and also the practice of non-attachment. And that's what K2 is doing. So wherever K2 is placed, that's going to be the area of life where you're comfortable, where you're good at, where um, you've accomplished that before. And in this lifetime, you're going to keep trying because you knew what you were doing. But the frustration comes into place because K2 is going to keep being like that magnet that's pushing you away from the other magnets because it wants you to grow beyond that. It wants you to grow into Rahu, which is you don't want to. Many people don't want to because it's not comfortable. They don't know what they're getting into. And that's where the idea of fear comes into play. Um, so anyway, I, I feel like I got a little off there. Um, reel me back in. Where, where were we going with that? <laughs> no, I mean, that makes so much sense. I, I loved that description because how I understand it is K2, I mean, sim simply, yeah. K2 is what we've achieved already, right? Mm -hmm. Like you were just saying, it's something that we're comfortable with and something in our life that comes naturally to us because it's something that we've achieved so many lives before. Right. And then Rahu is it's like, this is the area of focus because it's something that you haven't paid as much attention to in previous lifetimes. And so in this incarnation, you're going to be forced to focus on it. Right. And with that new territory can come anxiety and fear. And Rahu does invoke anxiety and fear. I would say, you know, if it's conjoined with certain planets, particularly the moon, I would say, what do you mm -hmm. think? Yeah, definitely. Um, the moon is, is the big one with, with Rahu mm -hmm. um, because the moon is our emotional nature and how we feel. Uh, it's our character even, not, not character like Mars is our character, but it's sort of like uh, the general state of um, our, our jiva, how we perceive and, and process the world. And when you put Rahu with the moon, automatically you have a state that 
doesn't really know how it's supposed to feel, what it's supposed to do. That's why oftentimes when you have Rahu moon combinations, the, the people are considered to be really psychically sensitive. Yeah. Many times we'll say that you'll be a psychic, but I really don't recommend anyone who has Rahu moon to become a psychic because they're already have boundary issues usually when it comes to emotional and psychological things. Um, so the moon and Rahu are very difficult for that reason, because then you really have a hard time knowing how you're supposed to feel, how you're supposed to re respond emotionally to things. Um, and sometimes you act in extremes because what, what, what do many people do when they don't know what to do? They, they try to go to extremes to figure out which way should they go. But with Rahu, there's always a sense of, I don't know. So they have to feel it out. And they often have to model their behavior after other people who are uh, more emotionally and psychologically healthy. They don't want to do that usually. <laughs> um, it's hard. Yeah. The, the sun is also a difficult one because um, when you get Rahu and the sun together, you see with Rahu, it all boils down to this idea of really having to be careful with overcompensation. And when you get Rahu and sun together in this lifetime, they are meant to develop their leadership qualities there. And by leadership, I mean the ability to guide others well, to defend Dharma, to protect people that are weaker than them. But when you don't know what that's about, when Rahu's there and that confusion or that smoke is there, you think, well, the way I'm supposed to do it is to control and, and uh, tell everyone what to do and to be kind of overly macho, like uh, an, uh, an over-exaggerated son. Mm -hmm. And they're not doing that because they're just jerks. It's because they don't know they, they, they don't know how to balance that extreme that Rahu pushes them into. So Rahu is always going to tend to push people to extremes, either the extreme of being too weak or too held back from it, or way too much of whatever planet that it's with. And the, the goal there with Rahu is to try to find that balance, which often requires that you, um, you, need, you need a good role model, you need a good teacher. I, I always like to say, whatever planet Rahu is with, that's like the planet that you're drunk with. That's like the planet that, you know, you've been at a party and you've been drinking too much. You need to have someone that you can say, take my keys because I don't think I can drive. Because once you get Rahu involved, you think, oh, I can drive. It's no big deal. Give me those keys. So you, you need someone there to say, no, 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 <laughs> this is what you need to do. And uh, that's one of the best ways to work with Rahu is to find someone who has a really solid version of the planet that is with Rahu yes, yes. Uh, and then try to model yourself after that. Wow. That is such incredible advice. And I was going to ask how to like best channel the energy of Rahu and K2. So that was like perfect. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. There are a few things that I'm, that I want to follow up with. First of all, the sun and the Rahu, I'm glad that you mentioned, you know, people aren't being jerks. It's a part of their karma, yeah. but they've got to watch it when it comes to their ego and the expansion of their ego right because it can get kind of um out of control sometimes or overly inflated and what you were mentioning with that as an example finding someone with strong solar qualities someone who has like purity of heart you know has a strong connection to their soul just embodies the qualities of the sun um and the other thing that i wanted to mention is that rahu is intoxicants and it mm -hmm. is drugs so right. <laughs> using that example of, you know, getting behind the wheel of a car when it's with other planets, it, uh, it's quite fitting. And it, it just makes a lot of logical sense when you understand um, all of the different qualities of Rahu and what Rahu governs. Mm -hmm.
Mm-hmm. And, and one, one final thing I'd like to say about the idea of the planets is um, it's very important, you know, as we talked about learning about the plants, about the signs ahead of time, because for example, if you know what the highest function, meaning the clearest function of each planet is, you will have a better sense of how to work with Rahu. Like many people who have Rahu sun will have people in their lives which are dominating, tyrannical, because they think that that's what the world needs. But a, a healthy sun, they don't hurt people weaker than them because they have honor and they know this person can't take care of themselves. A healthy son is like the, the healthy tr- traditional male figure, the healthy version here. I'm not talking about a messed up one, but the, the healthy version where the, the, the father figure takes care of the family and loves the family and doesn't belittle the family and doesn't walk all over the family. They defend the family. They take care of people that are weaker and help to lift them up. So mm-hmm. when we have Rahu and, and son together, that's something that often isn't there because they, they just, they just don't know that that's how it's supposed to work. You know, wow. that's, that's the difficult part. It's so fascinating because oftentimes, not all the time, but when someone does have Rahu and son conjoined, the son is also the father. So people often will have issues with their father. Exactly. So when they are adults, they may not have those qualities as easily. They may not know how to embody those qualities as easily. So finding, like you mentioned, a role model or a mentor, someone who can teach you how to embody those qualities and come into contact with the healthy qualities uh, more readily. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. And the same, the other one that comes up often is Venus, Ah. Uh, Rahu and Venus, because Rahu and Venus, um, they have difficulty understanding what's going to lead them to higher fulfillment. That's what Venus is about. Mm -hmm. We often think of Venus as luxury, beauty, uh, these kinds of things, but Venus is all about what leads you to higher fulfillment. And in love, mm-hmm. higher fulfillment isn't going to be based on the craziness of your hormones. It's not going to be based on um, uh, these kinds of fairy tale syndromes of soulmates and things. Mm-hmm. Love with, with Rahu and Venus is about figuring out what is healthy love. Mm-hmm. What is a love where two people are supporting each other mutually equally? What is a love where um, it's based on duty and knowing that you can count on the other person long-term, you know, you're thinking long-term versus kind of the, the teenager view of love, which when people have Rahu and Venus together, that's often a pattern that's constantly, constantly replaying over and over in their mind. So again, it's, it's hard with Rahu and different planets because you're drunk with them. Just like you, it's hard to talk to a teenager about love. I don't know if you've ever tried it, but trying to talk to a teenager about love yeah. It's hard to get through because <laughs> they're drunk on their own hormones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. And yeah, um, it's almost like an obsession too. Yes. Like I would say many teenagers are obsessed with the idea of, of love and connection and exploring right. something that's new. And there's not a whole lot of maturity to it. And you can't expect it to. But exactly. is coming into this world to teach you something. It's something that's less mature than K2. Right. And that's, you know, what you just said, the idea of maturity, when you've got Rahu and Venus together, it shows that you obviously don't have maturity with Venus, mm-hmm. or excuse me, when you have Rahu and Venus together. Yeah, yeah you yeah. obviously don't have a maturity yet. So the, the purpose of your life is to figure out how to grow up with Venus, how to grow up with the ma- mature, mature love, which yeah. we resist because it's scary. We're not used to it. Right. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's again, Rahu's, uh, Rahu's main focus there. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much. Um, and so I've always heard that Rahu and Ketu play better when they're alone. Hmm. 
You mean when they're not conjunct other planets? Yes. Again, it, it depends because for example, if you have, let's say, let's say Rahu is um, with Saturn in um, Libra and Saturn's exalted, well, you're going to have a wonderful Rahu and a wonderful Saturn combination there because then you're going to have the strength and the power to grow into Saturn. Um, so again, it always comes back to if if Rahu and Ketu are with a planet, you got to see what is the dignity of that planet. How well supported is that planet through Shambhala, through Rajatadya Vashtas, and the stronger, more solid that planet is, the more natural the person's going to come into the life and say, great, yeah, this isn't... I don't know what the hell I'm doing here, yeah, but I'm yeah. willing. I'm willing to explore it. Okay. Or K2 uh, with letting go, with surrender. They're going to come into life and they'll say, you know what, this is going to be hard, but I'm willing to grow beyond this. I'm willing to grow more fully into what I truly am. So, I suppose if if all of your plants are not in good dignity or have some difficulties with them, it might be better if they're by themselves. But yeah. then again, you still have to look at the Lord of Rahu and K2 to yeah. see. Because you could have K2 by itself, and maybe it's um, it's in Pisces or Sagittarius, and then Jupiter is in um, uh, Capricorn. Well, now K2 is going to act like a debilitated Jupiter. And so whether it's by itself or not, it's still going to have that difficulty in expressing itself. I got it. That makes so much sense. And I mean... The nodes can do a lot for the material world as well. I mean, especially Rahu, because Rahu has this immaturity to it. It's something um, that's attaching us to the material world. You'll see tons of celebrities with Rahu can join the sun. Rahu can join Venus. You know, Rahu gets involved. And when you're a celebrity and you get attention and fame and money, it's all the material stuff. You're getting drunk on the material stuff. And it's all an illusion. (laughs) Yeah. And then, and, but not Saturn, right? This is the spiritualist. Like it depends on the planet that we're looking at or the leader, you know, social justice, something like that. And then with K2, I want to talk a little bit more about K2 and what types of areas um, like strong K2 energy resides and how we can better channel our K2 energy. I feel like we spent some time on Rahu. Yeah. K2, again, K2 being the supreme liberator, K2 is unlike Rahu in that it doesn't want you to get involved in the world. The things that it is related to, it wants you to let go of. So, you know, ideally we can say that K2 would do very well, say in the 12th house or the 8th house. But again, K2 is going to do well in any house as long as its Lord and so on are doing well. Mm -hmm. And this is the important point that um, we have to focus on because many people have these ideas of spirituality. And yes, some charts are clear on you must learn how to meditate and you must withdraw from the world. Some charts are clear on that, Mm -hmm. but other charts might have K2, um, for example, in the second house, which deals with immediate family, but also our resources and how we take care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so that can show in this lifetime, part of your spiritual liberation in this world is learning to let go of defining yourself through your immediate family, learning to let go of defining yourself through your ability to take care of yourself because in past lifetimes, you've already done that well. So in this lifetime, Rahu, if it's in the second, K2 is in the second, Rahu is going to be in the eighth. And what's the eighth? The eighth is learning to trust other people, to, to, to help, to accept the help from other people, to be supported by other people. And in some lifetimes, that is extremely important. That is the lesson or the idea that they're meant to uh, figure out. So wherever K2 is, that house, 
that sign, that planet, it's going to be the area that the person is learning to let go of. And, but that's part of the whole process of, of their, their waking up. Does yeah. this make sense? Yeah, absolutely makes sense. Mm-hmm. And did and that so, answer? I don't think it answered your question then. I, I gave you a very vague question. Okay, well, that's Kate <laughs> <K2>. too. <laughs> yeah. And so, depending on where K2 is in your chart, it's going to kind of separate us and pull us away from that area of life. In a way, it's going to give you emotional discontent usually. But usually if you're emotionally or, or in, inwardly discontent with something, you, you tend to push it away. Um, someone who has K2 in the seventh house, if the Lord's good and so on, they might, be very, they might very easily get in relationships. It might not be a problem for them at all. It just happens. Yep. But the, the contentment that they have there is, is not going to be there because K2 is pushing them away saying, look, yes, you've had this experience. Now you need to turn your awareness around and you need to find strength somewhere else, which is usually where Rahu is placed. So it's always about, um, like, for example, I know so many people that have K2 in the 10th house and they're always coming to me for career advice. And I asked them, one of the first things I asked them is, do you have a career? And they say, yes. I say, uh, are you getting paid regularly? They say, yes. Um, Are you important in your field? Usually they are. And what's the problem? They're not satisfied with it. So I have to tell them, look, your role in this life is to, to fulfill that dharma of doing your work, whatever it is, but not letting your, not defining, not saying, you know, uh, Christine or Ryan or Jack or John, they, that they are not their career. So they want to be their career. Wherever K2 is, that's what the person wants to be. That, that's what they want to define themselves through. But it's always going to push them away. So that's why knowing where K2 is will help us spiritually, not in the sense of, Om, let's meditate spiritually, but as in while you are living your life and interacting with the world, what is the one theme that you have to learn to surrender to God? I always say that K2, you need to treat, you need to treat the house, generally speaking, in which K2 is as though that is God. You need to treat it as though that is God in the sense of you love it unconditionally. And that is where a person's going to make the most growth with K2. Because if your career isn't what you want, well, if you learn to love it unconditionally while letting go of your identification with it, you become free of it. And you also, in a sense, become a yogi in that area. If if K2 is in the seventh house, you treat everyone you meet, seventh house things, as though they are God. You don't expect them to be a certain way. You don't think you're going to get anything out of it. You don't try to define your happiness through it. You just say, you are God. I love you unconditionally, no matter what. So K2, that's why K2 is considered the supreme liberator, because that's what it's calling us to do, really. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, what better way to find contentment, though? Because we were discussing how K2 may bring an element of dissatisfaction, Um, and it kind of does, it can create like a sinkhole effect. You know, it's exactly. something that we've been created, we've been doing so many lives before and in this life it's like, all right, time to focus on something else. And so it's yeah. almost like disorienting, you know, but then the best way to liberate yourself from that sensation is I am content with whatever is. And like you said, I have no expectations of what this area of life is going to bring to me. And so you were using the seventh house, which I feel like is really easy because like with people, right? It's, it's right. like a, yeah, it's like a more, um, a, a tangible, more material thing that we can think about. But then even with like the 11th house, 
like not having any expectations, maybe when it comes to your gains or maybe with your friends and the people around you and other connections or with the second house with finances, which I know is huge, right? But trying not to have the, I mean, it's all huge, but trying not to have expectations with, with the financial matters. So it's it's always about doing your best with it. And again, treating it as though it is God. So the same thing with the 11th house with organizations or gangs or, you know, the 11th house also deals with titles, meaning getting those diplomas, getting those degrees. I don't know how many people I've seen who have K2 in the 11th house that have like eight different degrees beyond college and they're still going for another one because they think just one more (laughs) and that's the way K2 functions. Yeah. It's so interesting. And I mean, even it's, it's so funny that you say this because I'm thinking of people who do have, um, K2 in the 12th house. And they're like, I just need more. Like, do I need to meditate more? Do I need more mantras? Do I need to wake up at four? Like, what do I need to reach a higher state? (laughs) What they need to reach a higher state if they have K2 in the 12th is to start getting involved in the world and being of service without attachment, because then you've got Rahu in the sixth and and they don't want to do that because it's not normal for them. They've, they've, they've been able to get into those states of awareness, which they're free of the world. And, but in order to have the balance, there has to be balance. You know, people always come to religion and spirituality, like they want to know God. They want to know what the infinite is. Well, if you want to know what God is, God is everything, which means you can't say it's this, but not that. So the the depth of meditation, spirituality, what the person gets there with K2 in the 12th house, they have to learn to appreciate that in the same way as going down to the soup opera and serving people who are less fortunate than them, or simply going to their desk job every day and typing in emails and making reports. That is the sixth house. And when Rahu's there, that's where the balance has to come into play because that is God, that is Vishnu, as many astrologers say, too. So it's always going to have that. And as humans, we have a hard time with that because we want our desires fulfilled. But that's the problem with Rahu and Ketu, isn't it? It's all about unfulfilled desires. And I can remember having a dream one time, which led me to the understanding of Rahu. Um, In the dream, I was nothing. I I wasn't anything. I was a point in space. And uh, all of a sudden, I thought to myself, I would like a dog. And it was strange because there was nothing else there. But then this thought arose, I would like a dog. And all of a sudden, in order to get that dog, I realized all the things that had to happen for that to occur. Number one, I had to be born, which means I had to have parents, which means they had to have parents. Number two, there had to be dogs. There had to be dogs which were breeding with dogs. There had to be companies making dog food. There had to be vets. There had to be all this stuff. In my mind, it exploded out like a fractal. Just this one desire that you want a dog, all these other things have to be there. And and that's what our desires do to us. That's what they get us caught up in this world appearance, this samsara. And Rahu and Ketu, ultimately, as we're seeing, are showing us that everything has to be treated equally. <laughs> and, then you will, and then you will really be free because you're not going to be chasing, well, if I just do this, then that, because there, there's always one more thing. And that's the lesson of Radha and Ketu usually. Wow. Beautiful. Well, I was, I was even going to ask, like, what's the best way to channel the energy of Rahu and Ketu to our benefit? But I feel like that answered the question. That's the bigger picture way of doing it. And that's the ideal way to do it. But uh, you also still have to treat it specifically to your own chart. You know, like if, for example, um, Rahu's in your 10th house, maybe you're going to do wonderful career, or maybe it's just going to be one failure after another. But since Rahu is there, 
whether you fail or whether you succeed, that's not the point. The point is you keep trying. Um, if Rahu is in uh, the third house, that's a, that's a house where people come to me and I say to them, look, you are the type of person that you really need to explore your hobbies and your personal interests. And you need to forget what your parents said, forget being an engineer and all these sorts of things. Maybe that will help, but you, since Rahu is there, need to expand your mind, get more interested, dive deeply. So the beauty of Rahu and Ketu is it helps to dial in really what us as individuals in this lifetime are meant to be paying attention to. And it's going to be different for everybody. That's why uh, real gurus, they're not going to give one way of doing things for everyone because everyone's different. Everyone has a, they're at a different, they're on a different branch of the tree, I guess you could say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, you teach about this, mm-hmm. but later, yeah. <laughs> I know that you have a course that you're doing. Do you want to talk about that? And after hearing you discuss Rahu and Ketu in depth and just hearing your depth of knowledge on the karmic nodes. Now I have a really good understanding as to why you wait to start teaching people about them. Right. Yeah. The reason I do it is because again, you have to know what the signs are, what the planets are, Mm -hmm. how the planets are functioning with each other. You have to know all of the astrology first, because that's what the nodes are working through. Mm -hmm. So you can get some really good general idea. Oh, Ketu's in the 10th house, it means this. Rahu's in the second house, it means this. But to really get specific about what that person's going to experience with them, you have to know all the other stuff, which is why um, in the Astrology Apprenticeship Program, it's not until the ninth course in, um, which for some people is the third year of study, because that's when you've got all the basics down. Mm-hmm. So in the, the Astral Vedic Astrology Apprenticeship Program, that's when you hit Rahu and Ketu. And everyone complained and everyone said, this is crazy. We want to know about Rahu and Ketu now. But the people that made it to that class, once they got done, they said, oh, okay, now I understand. <laughs> so, and where can people sign up for your course? Um, it's on uh, vedic-astrology.teachable.com. So it's a teachable course. Um, and it was originally a four-year apprenticeship program, which I took all of that material and I streamlined it. And um, now it takes two years to complete. And it's really, I'm extremely proud of the people who've gone through that course. And now they're mentors who help to instruct and teach in that course. Yeah. And so it's like self-paced. People who sign up for it, they can complete it on their own time. Yes. Initially, when I, when I did it uh, for the four-year program, we did three uh, classes a year. And so it was three and then take a little break and then three. So there are four years total. Um, but now I've, I've set it up so that a new class or a new section of a class comes out weekly. So if you start at the beginning and do every week, uh, you're completed in about two years time. It's okay. self-paced in that regard. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing some information about Rahu and Ketu. I really appreciate your time. And I'll be sure to link all of your contact information in the show notes when people are interested. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah, it was a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Ryan. Yeah, take care. Thank you so much for listening until the end of this segment. I hope that you found it as interesting and informative as I did. As I mentioned, if you are interested in contacting Ryan for anything Vedic astrology or Kriya Yoga related, I am including all of his information in the show notes, including a link to his online school.
As always, if you would like to contact me, you can email me at astrologynowpodcast at gmail.com. Visit my website, innerknowing.yoga. You can follow me on Instagram at astrologynow underscore podcast and join me on Patreon, patreon.com slash astrologynowpodcast. My name is Christine Rodriguez. This is Astrology Now. Thank you so much.